0: Let's get it. Wednesday, August 14th, 2019, Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a good week outside of podcast land. I did, as of this recording, I did my pre-drywall inspection on the new home that I've been building since I'm still in my in-laws basement, just like every other podcaster, I've been told that this is now the time to lock in my rate, my interest rate for my VA home loan. So I'm going to go back to the VA home loan program benefits breakdown that I did about uh, a month or two months ago, and I'm going to start using that information. I'm going to start hunting for an interest rate. Today, as of this episode drop, is Navajo Code Talker Day. As a Marine, Code Talkers are very near and dear to me. Uh, I've met a couple in my career. I even had a Navajo Marine in my charge for a time. Shout out to guy. For those that don't know, Navajo Code Talkers during World War II used an unbreakable code based on their language during the island hopping campaign in the Pacific. Now, some of my colleagues on the VA digital media team recently spent time with one of the last code talkers, Thomas Begay, and spoke to him about that time in his life, including his time as a code talker on Iwo Jima. The first part of that conversation will be released on the same day as this podcast. Maybe not at the same time, because I like to have this ready for your ride into work. And that's kind of early, but it will be on the same day. So at some point today, go check it out on the VA Facebook page, it's going to be the first part of a three-part series. As for ratings and reviews, we are still at 92 ratings and reviews, therefore we are still eight away from that bonus episode of Air Force Veteran Adrian Cronauer interviewing Army Veteran and legendary comedian Mel Brooks. If you want to hear this never-before-release interview, head on over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a rating and or a review, preferably Apple. That review not only gets you one more rating closer to that bonus episode, but it brings us higher in the algorithms, letting more and more veterans know that we're here and it lets me know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong on this show. So please, head on over and leave a rating and a review. If you do both, it Counts as double. Got a few news releases this week, so I'm going to get right through them. All right, The first one says, For immediate release, VA and Hiring Our Heroes partner on Military Spouse Hiring Initiative. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation's Hiring Our Heroes Initiative recently joined efforts to lead and support military spouse employment at VA and throughout the federal government and reduce the high unemployment rate for military spouses. Effective July 29th, so it's already effective, this initiative is part of both Secretary Wilkie's priority of improving the customer and employee experience, as well as the DOD's priority of retaining service members and supporting military families. The effort will encourage both the use of the Military Spouse Hiring Authority, as well as the federal government participation in the Military Spouse Employment Partnership. And leverage best practices to improve the employee experience and achieve a successful collective impact for this population. For more on the US Chamber Foundation's Hiring Our Heroes, you can go to the forward slash hiring our hyphen heroes. And for the Military Spouse Employment Partnership, you can go to msepjobs.militaryonesource. source. Dot mil. All right. This is one that I missed during my vacation. It says, for immediate release, VA enhances research and education efforts related to airborne hazards and burn pit exposure. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs recently established the Airborne Hazards and Burn Pit Center of Excellence as part of its ongoing efforts to improve healthcare for veterans. There was a, a couple quotes by our Secretary, Robert Wilkie, and then it says, The Center of Excellence located at the New Jersey War-Related Illness and Injury Study Center will specialize in clinical and transitional research related to airborne hazards and burn pit exposure. The new center, which formally began operations in May 2019, will initially focus on expanding understanding of health outcomes and treatments with intensive clinical research to support veterans that may have been affected by airborne hazards and open burn pits. VA providers make a soul with the center of excellence about the assessment and treatment needs for veterans enrolled in VA healthcare with airborne hazard and burn exposure. When appropriate, veterans may be invited for a comprehensive multi-day health evaluation from a specialized team. Referral is done for complex clinical presentations that are unable to be diagnosed or if a development or medical management plan is impossible to do locally. Veterans receiving VA authorized care in the community may be referred for consultation or an examination for the same clinical reasons. Enhancing training and education initiatives to build and expand a network of of specialized clinicians and analyzing airborne hazards and open burn pit registry data to monitor VA's overall clinical response to exposure concerns. The center will continue to work closely with the Department of Defense and with academic partners. For more information, on the Airborne Hazards and Burn Prince Center of Excellence, please visit www.warrelatedillness.va.gov forward slash warrelatedillness, all one word, no dashes, forward slash alpha hotel bravo papa charlie echo forward slash index.asp. All right. And the next one says, for immediate release, VA updates the disability rating schedule for infectious diseases, immune disorders, and nutritional deficiencies. As of August 11th, the VA updated portions of the VA schedule for ratings disabilities that evaluate infectious diseases, immune disorders, and nutritional deficiencies. Then there's a, a quote by our secretary, Robert Wilkie, and it says, VA is in the process of updating all 15 body systems of the VA SRD to more accurately reflect modern medicine and provide veterans with clear rating decisions. By updating the rating schedule, veterans receive decisions based on the most current medical knowledge of their condition. On our blog at blogs.va.gov, that states that this is the first time that the fir- that this is the first time the VA schedule for rating disabilities has been updated since 1945. The complete list of updates to the rating schedule is available online, and I'm going to give that, that link to you. Claims pending prior to August 11th will be considered under both the old and the new rating criteria, and whichever criteria is more favorable to the veteran will be applied. Claims filed on or after August 11th will be rated under the new rating schedule. Updating the rating schedule for conditions related to infectious diseases, immune disorders, and nutritional deficiencies enables the VA claims processors to make more consistent decisions with greater ease and ensure veterans understand these decisions. Since September of 2017, the VA has updated the schedules for dental and oral conditions, conditions related to the endocrine system. I think that's how you say that. Never know how to say it gynecological conditions and disorders of the breast, the general ratings formula for disease of the eye, skin conditions, and the hemologic and lymphatic systems. So Again, to find that complete list of updates to the rating schedule, you can find it at benefits.va.gov forward slash W-A-R-M-S, Whiskey, Alpha, Romeo, Mike, Sierra, forward slash book C all one word that's Bravo oscar oscar kilo charlie dot a s p pound signed hotel pound sign h so it's a s p pound signed hotel and finally the va released a uh news release my and my colleague air force veteran and new hire adam stump wrote a story on that the VA is to provide veterans better material support. The VA will now have increased ability to provide material support to veterans through a strategic partnership signed August 12th. The agreement between the VA and the DOD's Defense Logistics Agency allows better acquisition over medical and surgical items, cleaning supplies and equipment, construction materials and equipment, and other items. This is the first step that gives VA networks access across the country increased access to DLA's broader supply catalog, improving productivity and efficiency. The agreement combines the resources from VA and the DoD to create a centralized ordering system for the VA, reducing risk, waste, fraud, and abuse in purchasing medical equipment and supplies. Our Secretary, Robert Wilkie, said the agreement will help reform ordering processes to provide better care for those who we are sworn to serve. The DLA Director, Army Lieutenant General Darrell K. Williams said, We are committed to your vision of greater material support to Veterans Affairs. In March, the VA's Captain James A. Lovell Federal Health Care Center became the pilot site for DLA's Defense Medical Logistics Standard Support Commodity Ordering System. For more information about the DLA And this partnership, visit www.dla.mil. All right, so this week's guest is an Army veteran and a West Point graduate. During his time in, he deployed to Iraq and was an assistant professor at MIT. He gives a lot of credit to his transition out of the military to social media. And after he got out, he and his wife started a company that consulted other companies, like big companies, on how to leverage social media platforms and tools. He is currently the CEO at RallyPoint, which is a military and veteran-centric social media platform. And he wanted to give this interview to not only give his testimony as a veteran, but to give you tips on how to grow your own professional network. He is Army veteran, David Gow. Enjoy. You are a West Point graduate? That is
1: correct. Army Ranger School? What compelled, what compelled you to join the army? So I actually joined the military, uh, early on in life because I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I felt like I had a lot of ambition, but no direction. My Father had passed away when I was young and everything I learned about the military from my brother who joined before I did, I loved, I love the structure. I love this concept of leadership. I love the way you get to work with teams to do very difficult things under stressful environments. I felt that that was going to be something that would be something both I enjoy, something that would feel good about at the end of the day, because you're, you're working for a cause bigger than yourself and that it would, uh, help me figure out my path. And that's just what it did.
0: Interesting that you said your brother, that's the reason I joined the military too. Uh, my brother was in the, the army, he became a ranger, then he got out and joined the air force. And then, uh. I, I saw the, I saw Travis Air Force Base, the conference of Travis Air Force Base, and uh, I turned around and joined the Marine Corps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, different uh, strokes for different folks.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what were some of your
1: favorite posts while you're in? So I had the good fortune to be at Fort Knox, uh, then mm. briefly at Fort Benning while I was picking up my Ranger tab. And then I served a couple tours in Germany, both in Baumholder and then in Heidelberg. And Germany was just amazing. The ability to uh, go over there, you had some great training areas, and then to be able to see the world uh, in a way that I just never did. I didn't travel much when I grew up. And I think from a cultural standpoint, getting to understand just the way the rest of the world works and all these different countries and cultures. Good beer there, too. (laughs) The beer (laughs) is great, yes. Uh, The (laughs) Dungel Hefeweizen was my beer of choice while I was over there. But uh, you can't have too many of those now that uh, they add up quick.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So while you were in, who was either your best friend or your greatest mentor?
1: Um, So I've got a lot of both. Um, I think, um, you know, one very good friend that I went to school with, uh, who then uh, we talked about where we were going to do when we grew up in the military, he ended up getting his long tab going special forces. Um, and, uh, ultimately he, he sustained a traumatic brain injury and made a absolutely remarkable recovery down, um, at the Virginia VA. And, Mm. uh, he's still a close friend today. And, um, our kids are friends or wives are friends. Just, you know, we, we skied Europe together, um, before his injury. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's certainly someone that I've learned a lot from through his recovery and just the struggles from going, being in a coma, not knowing if he was going to wake up. And then when he did not knowing if he ever know who he were again. And yeah. Yeah, that's uh, just one of those bonds that I think you only kind of really are able to build in the military. Um, when things like that happen and you, you know, you're, you're, you feel hopeless, you feel scared, you feel worried, sad, all these emotions for someone you care about and watching the family go through it too, just really, uh, you know, builds that, that bonded fire.
0: He's also, he's obviously someone that also inspired you. You can, I can tell, um, what's, uh, what's his name?
1: You no, know, it's, it's Brian. Uh, he's, uh, he's actually now back involved, uh, with various government work. Um, and well. the, well. the, uh, the uh, remarkable recovery that he made w- was absolutely inspiring. Cause I think we all hear about how in today's conflicts, the medical technology that we have, the body armor uh, the rapid response uh, to, from the great uh, medics and corpsmen on the battlefield save yeah. a lot more lives, but it also results in a lot more devastating injuries. Sure, and absolutely. And because of those devastating injuries, um, there's a lot of baggage that families and caregivers and many other people and the veterans themselves, of course, have to deal with. And so, um, you know, certainly the inspiration I got from Brian um, was not just with him, it's watching his, his nurses, his caregivers... His mom, who became a caregiver overnight, along with his wife, who had three kids of her own, that had to figure out how to learn a new normal. Um, that, that really drives a lot of uh, what I like to do with RallyPoint and making our platform you know, more useful to every member of the military community, not just those who are currently serving our veterans, but those yeah. who you know, bear the burden of, of service that uh, oft are forgotten. And are not thanked for their service, um, you know, by by the civilian population. That's outstanding. Um, Why did you decide to get out? So I joined uh, in two thousand two. I got married straight after college. I spent uh, about two months with my wife, and then went to Fort Knox, and then to Ranger School, and then to Iraq, Um, with a brief stop in Germany to drop off my wife and, and head to. Uh, that deployment. And I think we realized pretty quickly that after I pulled my wife out of a great job in Boston, took her to Europe, and she didn't feel like living back in the States while I was deployed because nobody had any idea about sure. the military culture at that time. When When she was visiting home in Boston, and they heard of a car bomb go off in Baghdad. They'd, they'd rush up to her and, and say, hey, did you hear about this? And she's like, yeah. no, no, I didn't hear about this. Thanks for bringing it up. So there's this real big challenge with um, supporting you know, our family's goals and my wife's career at the time and trying to figure out that happy medium of what we can do. And knowing that my first job was uh, in Iraq, I, yeah. I sensed that this was going to be something that I just couldn't keep asking uh, her to get up and move every three years and not really be able to sit down her professional roots before uh, we had kids. So for me, it was the, the family piece. Um, and ultimately, I was just given the gift to be able to transition out in a, a place where uh, there's just a, an enormous number of entrepreneurs and individuals who had been successful in the tech space and were willing to give me time uh, as I was figuring out my transition that made it a lot easier for me in ways that I know that the vast majority of the military does not get when they transition out. I was up in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and you know, had I transitioned out from Germany or Korea or Fort Polk or any other place that just wasn't so rich in uh, people who had been successful in civilian life that were willing to help me, um, it would have been a heck of a lot harder. And so that's something yeah. that um, I'm enormously appreciative of and uh, you know look forward to paying it forward wherever I can. That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: I could totally understand the family aspect. Totally understand that. Um, so your last post was uh, MIT as an ROTC professor?
1: That is correct. I was uh, basically an instructor for the uh, MS3s, so the the juniors. I got to go out to um, you know, do lots of training with them, and uh, I also did two more years in the reserves after my active duty time, okay. and I just stayed in place. I was able to work for the same uh, unit, still support the cadets. I moved, dropped down to teaching in the, uh, the freshmen, just given my you know, my reserve status and the time I was spending there. Yeah, and It was an incredible time. I felt like I was really helping them understand what it was gonna be like as platoon leaders when they got to Iraq or Afghanistan. And at the same time, they taught me the world about social media, which I was <laughs> literally making fun of before I got there. And I realized just how powerful these social platforms were and could be. And that absolutely changed my professional life uh, forever.
0: Got you. What was, uh, what was transition like for you back out, getting out in 2007?
1: Oh, it was brutal. So I, I ended up uh, actually ETSing in 08. And it was then that I didn't realize it, but that the economy was about to crash. And so <laughs> yeah, none of us all knew that. the learning... <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Academy. <laughs> I, um, I learned a lot from my students about social media and I actually started a company with my wife to help civilian companies figure that out. Okay. And I, I go back to that network. I, I was actually using LinkedIn a lot. And, and that was the core of the consulting practice I would provide was to companies on how to use LinkedIn better, uh, particularly to build relationships with new people, be it for customers or investors or board members or whatever you're looking for. Yeah. And it was in a way that was focused on leveraging the data that LinkedIn had without harassing people. Okay. So the the typical thing I would do is I would just connect with everyone I knew. I would find people I wanted to get to because maybe they could be an advisor, a mentor, a customer investor, etc. And then instead of reaching out to them with a witty comment and LinkedIn, I would actually pick up the phone. I would call our mutual contact and say, "Hey, Tanner, I see you know Steve. Do you think Steve and I would be a good fit to sit down and talk? I, I, I'm really impressed with what he's done. I'd love his advice on my plan. I'm transitioning out. Um, you know, would you be willing to connect us? Or is there if there if it's not a good fit, don't worry about it. Um, if it is, I'd be glad to send an email. You can forward and make it easy for them to make that introduction.
2: Yeah.
1: And by repeatedly using LinkedIn in that manner, I got introduced to so many people. I say that you know I was." I was an army of one with a network of zero when I came to Boston <laughs> um, after a couple of tours in Europe. And it was because of LinkedIn that uh, I was able to get to all these incredible people that were willing to take the time to help me as a transitioning veteran. Yeah. And it was that experience that ultimately led to a Boston journalist calling me the LinkedIn Jedi that got picked up in Inc.com. Uh, Wiley published my book and yeah, I was uh, really you, you, me. you
0: wrote a whole book on it uh, in, back in 2011 about LinkedIn. Right. I did. The power of uh, the link. For someone who has never read that book, uh, what what's I mean, obviously, you already gave me the synopsis. What's one big takeaway for a veteran that's getting out now?
1: Well, I think the key is, is that networking is something that we are not only um, not taught in the military, but it's shunned. You know, it's not cool to go network with the general from the unit down the street or your own unit at the <laughs> officer club, especially yeah. at the rank I was in at. Yeah, And so uh, that concept of having to first figure out who you should talk to and then how to talk to them in a, in a way where they're not going to know who you are when they walk in the room. You don't have your badges and tabs and awards and everything, your combat patch. No one knows who you are until you articulate that elevator pitch and you know how to talk to them and you actually get in front of the right people and, and learn from each interaction. Yeah. So the book basically is kind of it's my case study of all the people I've met, how I got to them, what I learned. Um, it's actually probably more of a book for veterans about what to do and in some cases what not to do when <laughs> transitioning out. Um, that then it is strictly just about LinkedIn, because at the end of the day, it, it's about building a network thoughtfully with whatever means you have. LinkedIn just happened to be a great tool for me. Gotcha. Everyone else may have incredible tools that might be better for them.
0: Yeah. Talk about some, some lessons learned in that book. What are some, what was one lesson learned that you had with LinkedIn?
1: I think my biggest lesson learned in transition in general, but where LinkedIn was quite helpful was to make sure that I was transitioning with a plan and that I was actively looking to adapt to that plan. So with me, I just was able to get to all these incredible people that would take the time to help me think about my, my next steps. Yeah. And I would consistently tell them that taking the time of a veteran, but don't be don't sugarcoat anything because I've served the archery, And you appreciate that. If I have a bad plan coming in here and you don't give me candid feedback, I will leave with a bad plan and you can help me with that. And people tend Absolutely. to laugh and, and, and that would break the ice a bit. But then I, I consistently get candid feedback. And, and also, I think people feel a little more comfortable introducing me to their network. And ultimately staying in touch. Um, and many of those initial folks I met through you know, social media are folks that have ultimately become, you know, to this day, my investors, my employees, my advisors, board members, etc. So it's a great way to start and then you know, build a good relationship.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You talked about you and your wife starting a, a software company in, in,
1: in like what, 2010? What, what was that? Yeah. So it was actually my my wife started a company doing marketing consulting while I was still at MIT. Okay. We would come home at night and talk about what we learned throughout the day. And I was finding all this incredible stuff from my students about social media. And she was finding a bunch of her clients at the the company she was consulting for just about how much they needed social media expertise. So that was really the trigger to start our our first business. And essentially uh, that's what grew to the point where um, I realized that the specific thing that uh, we were doing well was figuring out how to use social media in a business context. And yeah. my wife had our first son in 2008. So not too long after, after we started the company, uh, she you know, went to the home front and focused on uh, our children, uh, of which we now have three. And uh, that's where I then got into, um, you know, basically started another tech company, and ultimately was asked by the founders rally point to come become CEO after they had got the the member machine growing and wanted to help grow the overall business. Yeah. How'd they find you? So I actually connected with uh, Yanan, one of the co-founders while I was still at MIT. Uh, He was someone, he was a student at Harvard Business School. And I believe he had first attended one of the LinkedIn sessions that I was giving veterans. And Mm. he came away from that saying, you know what, this LinkedIn thing's great, but The military just does not thrive in LinkedIn. Like you might find people who are guard reserves that have civilian jobs or people who already have a a good degree comfortable in the civilian life. But if if you come out of high school or don't even go to high school or, you know, you go to the military straight out of your teenage years and you deploy a bunch of times and you haven't been to academia and uh, hung out with a bunch of professors that could help you think about networking and what civilian life is like your culture is pretty different than the average civilian. And yeah. not to mention when you get into a site like LinkedIn, that's predominantly civilian, people tell you to translate away everything that you identified by in the military. Cause no mm-hmm. one will know what your rank or your branch, or your MOS is. So you have to turn that into civilian speak. And it's basically tells you to discount everything that you've done. That's incredible. um, in your military career before you start your civilian one. So it really came together at Harvard Business School to build a military version of what they saw LinkedIn to be then, and fast-forwarding now, we have 1.7 million members, and our members actually treat it more of a social platform and connecting with each other and finding ways to help each other, you know, even when it has nothing to do with jobs and careers, um, yeah. and that's something that we're very proud to be doing today.
0: Okay, so it's like so. It the original mission was was like a military. LinkedIn. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest, I'm not on Rally Point. Um, and, and, you know, I w- my first thought uh, when I saw Rally Point was, man, why do I need another social media network? You know, I, I have Facebook. I just, uh, I started Instagram and Twitter for work here. Um, as a veteran that's not on Rally Point, why should I join?
1: Well, it's because we are focused on the military population. we recognize that our members are treated as a fringe population on other sites and that the experience is not focused on military life in fact a very good visual about why any veteran or pre-service member someone thinking about joining or service member or caregiver or family member or survivor should be on rally point is very visible in the va veterans journey map uh, for the lifetime of a veteran What we did uh, is we shared, and this is up on the VA blog, we actually shared um, an overlay that shows how all our members' discussions, of which there are about 450,000 about Mm -hmm. military life that are tagged and organized by our members, well, they map really neatly into what the VA has identified as all the key milestones that veterans have throughout their life, from joining through serving, taking care of yourself, up through aging and ultimately dying. And so, if you're looking for an experience where you can search for people by their unit or branch, or if you just want to talk to people that get you and understand what it's like to be in the military about any topic under the sun, well, that's what Rally Point's all about. All right. All right. What we do as a platform is we are consumers of all technology that's out there. So, we are quite aware of what the pre established expectations of civilians are for quality of user experience. Um, you know, intuitiveness of design. And we basically think about where the military is not being served online in a social capacity in sites like LinkedIn, Facebook, but even Quora, where there's that really healthy and robust question and answer experience that you see a very similar type of benefit being provided on RallyPoint. And that's where I think because the military population directly between veterans and service members is north of 20 million. And then when you take in you know about that number of family members and those directly around the civilian around the military population there are a lot of people out there that want that custom military experience either because they're living it today or maybe they're thinking about joining as a recruit or because they identified by that and they miss it they they feel disconnected and separated from a culture that defined them for so long so when when you do get into rally point I look forward to hearing your experience and uh, what we can do to make it better.
0: Yeah. So that's not a, it's not a, just a veteran thing. It's almost like, so there's spouses on there. There's, there's kids that are in MEPS and thinking about joining. It's, it's
1: more of a, of a culture or community type of platform, not just veteran, veteran, veteran. Absolutely. We have about 40,000 of our members uh, haven't even joined yet. There's civilians thinking about joining, because they want to know if the, what the recruiter told them is true by talking to real service members. And <laughs> when we were founded, we actually didn't even allow veterans on the site. We were strictly currently serving only, and then quickly realized that, well, our members would become veterans. And it's also yeah. beneficial yeah. for our active duty guard and reserve members to have those connection points into the veteran population. So we expanded. And then sure enough, family members, Uh, The caregivers, the civilian recruiters, people who work at the VA and DOD wanted to be part of Rally Point. And so today we're about 43 percent of our 1.7 million members are in uniform. About 46 percent are veterans and about 11 percent are folks that are uh, civilians. So that's the the rough breakup of our platform. Uh, What's your uh, major demographic? So our our core demographic is a junior enlisted service member in the combat arms branch of the army, uh, which is not in any way because we focus on that audience, uh, rather because that's what the military is. We create a military experience and the the military comes in the similar uh, numbers and demographics that of those serving.
0: I'm 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 thinking that's probably a different core demographic than what you see on LinkedIn. What I see on LinkedIn is like your older crowd.
1: (laughs) I would agree with that. I think the uh, the nature of LinkedIn is something that it's an incredible platform. It, it changed my life. Yeah, and it's just one tool. Rally points a tool. LinkedIn's a tool. Facebook's a tool. Yeah, you have networking events downtown. You know, with business cards in your pocket. It's, those are all tools. No houses are built only with one tool. And I think everyone should figure out how to get good at using the tools the right place, the right time. And we're proud to be one of those for the military community.
0: Tell you what. Uh- i tell you what, David, you know, the fact that I've, I've enter- I'm now interviewing the CEO of the company, I'll give it a shot. I'll definitely give it a shot. Welcome aboard. I look forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. So, David, what is one thing you learned in service that you still apply to what you do today?
1: So many things. Uh, one thing that does come to mind um, is just the um, value of working hard, but making sure that the hard work you do nests neatly with your team. Absolutely. I I've found a lot of uh, opportunity to meet incredible people in the military. And there are some people that are exceptionally competent at what they do mm-hmm. and sometimes forget to make sure that their competence is complementary to those around them. So at the end of the day, no one person is the military. It's, it's those teams that bond together that do incredible things and that make each other better and challenge each other uh, when they need to be challenged. Uh, take care of each other when they need to be taken care of and really come together to have innovative ideas together um, rather than as individuals to achieve really ambitious things. And that's certainly a major thing I picked up in the military. Outstanding. Um,
0: David, what's uh, what's one nonprofit or veteran in the veteran community that you see that as that they're doing good things, but they might not have as much recognition as some of the other pe- as some of the other nonprofits or
1: people that we know? <laughs> This is also a tough one. We're very fortunate to have a tremendous number of uh, nonprofits and individuals uh, around Rally Point. Yeah, I figure
0: you know a lot uh, of just, people in the veteran community that a lot of people don't know, being that you are the CEO of Rally Point.
1: So, well, there's the uh, one that does come to mind is that we had just launched a, a wellness hub in okay. partnership with Cohen Veterans Network. Um, they do really great work in uh, about a dozen different communities around the country, providing care to veterans uh, regardless of discharge status and enabling them to get the care that they need, um, particularly in the mental health space. And I've actually visited a couple of their clinics now. I've met with a lot of the folks there. And it's important to me to see that um, there are a lot of organizations in and outside the VA that are going after what I believe to be one of the biggest challenges that a lot of veterans face. And it's not just because of post-traumatic stress that we could use someone to talk to from time to time. It's the nature of military life, the transition that's required of us, the fact that we're not paid excessively well while we're in the military, and then we have to make a midlife change for career where we need to be very thoughtful from financial matters to our relationships, to our own education, everything else. And so I think there's a lot that goes into the mental health needs of the military population that goes beyond the combat that we face. Where organizations like Cohen Veterans Network, um, uh, yeah, make the, me proud I mean, the to military transition
0: is a is a huge, huge stressor in every veteran's life. And every veteran can identify it once they get out. You know, because whether you do four the four years or thirty years, eventually you gotta take off that uniform. And that that is a definitely a, a major stressor in one's life. So that, that's good stuff. Um Dave, is is there anything else that I haven't asked that you think is important to share with the listeners?
1: I think one of the main things that excites me about what we're doing with the VA is that we've signed an MOU with the Veteran Experience Office. And it's exciting for me to see that the VA thinks about the Veteran Experience in the way that a software company does. And it's in the manner that every little part of that experience matters and that you can't tell your customers how they should want things, but you should listen to their wants and react to them and ultimately try to uh, deliver what they want, where they want it, when they want it. And I've been really impressed to see how the VA, being a large governmental organization, has been taking care of veterans and how they've been actively connecting us to other parts of the VA and parts of private and the nonprofit sector that are doing great things for vets. There
2: are a lot of different points in our history that changed our country as we know it, and 9-11 is in that mix. It put us on a different path, but the most important thing that it showed us is that as Americans we come together in times of strife. No 9-11 date should ever pass without Americans coming together and remembering why we have all the freedoms that we have. What we would really like to see happen this year on September 11 is for people to come out and join Carry the Load and the National Cemetery Administration cleaning the headstones of all these great heroes out here to show the families that the death of their loved one matter. Join an existing team at the local cemetery near you. If there's not one, we would ask that you start your own. Help us clean the headstones of our heroes. Let's make sure that we give them all the due respect that they deserve.
0: David for taking the time to talk with us. I have since joined since that interview. I have joined Rally Point. Didn't know I already had one. So if you see me on there, it's the one with the portrait looking right into the camera, not the one that's just the side of my face. I look forward to filling out my profile and participating in some of the discussions on there with, with hopefully all you this week's born the battle Veteran of the week is 109 year old, Army veteran, Julia Kabantz. This story comes from the CBS affiliate WIBW at uh, Northeast Kansas. Kabantz is the oldest living member of the prairie band Pottawami Nation. Friday, dozens came to celebrate her 109 years of life. Kabantz has years filled with service to her country and to others. In 1942, Kabantz enlisted in the Army at the age of 33 serving stateside as World War II raged on overseas. She never married, but rather dedicated her life to volunteering with the Catholic Church and a career in civil service. Julia, happy 109th birthday, and thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at include a short write-up, and let us know why you think you would like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check us out on our website at blogs.va.gov and follow the VA on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and yes, Rally Point, DPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you right here next week.